Hello, my name's Toby Haydock. I'm about to cry havoc. Let's slip the podcast. There's a bit of noise in the background because this was recorded at a Doctor Who event, but uh, worth it nonetheless. Enjoy. I've got three gentlemen with me who are all united by a common purpose, so I'm going to ask them who they are and why I'm talking to them about Doctor Who. I'm Derek Martin. Um, Some people say I'm an actor, some people say I'm not. Royston Farrell, actor and stuntman. Royce Gamble, stunt arranger, actor, stuntman, ice skater, idiot. <laughs> uh, well, this is a bit of a reunion for me with, uh, with Roy and Derek because um, uh, they made me jump off a tower for a, a documentary which is on the Invasion, uh, uh, the Inferno DVD. So we're not going to go over that ground, buy it instead. But Royston, this is the first time we've met. And as well as being, you, you have a line in the clause of Axos where you say boom, which I like, which is a John Pertwee story. But you, you go back to Doctor Who, you, you did walk on stuff, but you're also, you're a, are you a judo expert, is that yeah. right? So how did you get into the business and how did Kung Fu or whatever come into your life? Um, well, as far as uh, judo is concerned, um, I was living in Wilsdon and there was a friend uh, who said to me, I'm going to a judo practice. I said, what's that? Um, he said, well, it's, uh, come along. So I went along and um, there was a little local school hall where they were using mattresses where you'd break your leg if you weren't careful. Anyway, I said after a while, where can I do this properly? And he said, well, there's a Budokwai, the Wenshudan, uh, London Judo Society. So I went to the Budokwai and um, uh, took me two years from white belt to black belt, first Dan. First, Dan means step. Um, before that, you're a Q grade, which is a student grade. And um, I carried on, and it's not only been uh, a physical thing, but it's been a very important character builder also. And uh, as far as coming into the stunt business is concerned, it came by a roundabout route of extra stuntmen, and uh, found when I opened my mouth, I could uh, what, what, what came out of it was um, acceptable. So I became an actor, and um, uh, I've been involved heavily in various things at home with uh, disability and so forth. But, of course, uh, we have to do what's the highest priority. Which is? Well, home stuff, home uh, stuff. to look after people who are disabled. And um, otherwise, you, if you've got a family, you won't have a family if you don't look after them. Quite right. Quite right. And um, you, so you all, I mean, you, when was the last time you... Because you, you weren't a member of Havoc, were you? Did you just come in and, and sort of work? Well, I've I, I got a few jobs now and then from Havoc. Um, and uh, I, you took work wherever you could get it from, and Havoc was one of those places. Whereas, um, uh, Derek, you, um, I'm going to nobble off, because I've got certain stories that I need to cover for my podcast. So the first one is The Smugglers, which was directed by Julia Smith, William Hartnell's story. You would have been a pirate and a revenue man. Do you remember anything about that one? Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. Someone put the anchor over the side, so it was anchored, and there's me rowing, sweating like a pig. I must have done two stuff, and it wasn't going anywhere. But I think that was either Val Musetti or Terry Walsh, one of them, that did it. So, but um, no, it was good fun, good location. Um, dressed up as pirates, as pirates. I mean, we live a fantasy, and we play it out. When you're kids, you play cowboys and Indians, doctors and nurses. When you're older in this business, you get to play it for real. 
Yeah, although, I mean, there's one thing of sort of playing and dressing up and having pretend sword fights. There's another thing, Roy, jumping off a steel gasometer. I mean, I, I thought that 18-foot jump I did was pretty terrifying. But I, mean, I, I want to... How do you know... Because you know, you know that you like a certain food if you think you don't like it and you accidentally eat it and you go, oh, that's quite nice. How do you know that you don't mind falling off something? You don't know until you try it, do you, really? <laughs> Why did you try it? So, uh, basically, because it was a bit of a challenge, I think, you know, and I was a bit of an idiot when I was younger, and I thought, well, I saw one of the people in films doing it. I saw the Earl Flynn's and, and the people like that who were doing all their bits and saw fine best best, you know. And I thought I'd like to have a go at that one day. I watched The Crimson Part with Burt Lancaster, wow, you know. So, and I watched how it happened. I watched one or two stunt people doing their stuff, and I thought I'd have a go at that, and that was it, you know. I could always handle heights, didn't worry me. And I thought, if they can land the way they're landing, get away, I can probably do it. So there we go, I did it. Yeah. Well, and you, you were mostly, with your Doctor Who Association, was with John Pertwee, whereas Royston and Derek, you worked with a lot of doctors. I mean, you, st- you both started with William Hartnell and went through yeah. to, I mean, you went through to Tom, Derek, but yeah. what do you remember of your di- different doctors, Royston? Um, well, just that they were different doctors. I mean, I, you know, they had a individual uh, idiosyncrasies and... Uh, just interesting people trying to do a job, you know. I remember Patrick Troughton, a superb actor, but, um, um, you know, I just... I found everybody kind of uh, an interesting characters, and um, I, I particularly remember John Pertwee. Obviously, I had a part of a uh, technician in that, and um, uh, I, I felt very sad when uh, um, John uh, passed on in uh, Connecticut in the uh, US. Yeah. Um, I, as I do with any of our colleagues and friends that pass on I think it's uh, it's always tragic and uh, it's a loss and de- yeah. I can say the doctor all the doctors Hartnell was, was a bit stand off don't come near me uh, whereas the difference with John Pertwee he was one of the lads he would sit and have do a dinner with you have a laugh have to crack wind you up you know what I mean so they all had, as, as Royston said, they all had their little idiosyncrasies. Some was quite friendly and wanted, and others would just uh, um, stay away. Whether it was because they were the star or whether it was just the way they were, you don't know. But you just respect what they want. If they want distance, then you, you give them distance. So. And do you remember, because um, it's one of the last two poets, was Annie? You mentioned lovely Julia Smith. Oh, yes. Who eventually went on to discover and invent EastEnders. Yeah. And I worked for her before on a series called The Angels, which was about nurses. I played Pauline Quirk's dad. And then when she did EastEnders, I was up for the part of Dirty Den. And I got down to the last five, and she phoned my agent and said, we love Derek, but he's more the hard man than the ladies' man. And Leslie did it and was brilliant. And then... A few years later, I'd just started my own series, second series, of King and Castle with Nigel Planer. She phoned up and said, I've got a wonderful part for Derek, and he starts in two weeks. And my agent said, well, he's just got started on set, won't be finished in three months. And that was Frank Butcher, Mike Ah. Reed's part. But Mike did it, and he was brilliant, stunning. So, one of those things in this business... You're not quite right. And then eventually I ended up in as Charlie Slater. So. But Julia Smith, lovely lady, sadly missed. 
Well, and you, you say this because when you talk about your acting career, you say, oh, not much acting because I'm not trained and I just sort of play people and, and oh, I always got the hard man parts and all that sort of But if, if, when people say to me, when you've met people from Doctor Who, I say, well, Derek Martin is one of, is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And when we, we went to do the documentary, you insisted on picking up the camera and the tripod and said, no, I'll carry some equipment, gents and all that sort of it's thing. It's the sort sort of thing we would do if it's a small unit. You'd rather see some some poor sod struggling with everything. You just go in and say, "Yeah, okay." The, the makeup girls have big bags, and you're on location in Scotland, and it's thick heather. And the Australians give us that, and you, you take it. You know what I mean? It's a surely it's a way I've been brought up. Dad always said, "Respect ladies, regardless." You know what I mean? And you know, open the door for them, walk on the outside of the pavement. That's the way I was brought up. So. so does that mean when you carried the camera and the tripod, you thought I was a lady? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> but there, is, there does seem to be a camaraderie between you, you guys, yeah. the, more so than I think a lot of. I mean, let's talk about some of the other the stuntmen. So we talk. We obviously we see Derek and Stuart in the documentary. But what about? Um, Val Musetti, so Val Musetti yeah, yeah. lovely guy, I mean, great, great car driver, nice guy, yeah. nice personality. You know, Martin Grace. Always driving around the West End, yeah. trailing his racing car behind him. Yeah, because his, his father had yeah. a restaurant in, in right in Soho, and he used to drive around with a racing car on the back, didn't yeah. on the trailer. Yeah, because you all had sort of very disparate, disparate sort of backgrounds, and you all brought, oh, like, yeah. I guess, different skills. I mean, Terry Walsh, uh, I did Blue Peter with him as well. Very good fencer. Would show you how to fence and everything. Very good. Um, Alan Chance was a good taxi driver. He was a black cab driver. <laughs> wasn't he? So, and then he had that bad whack when that car hit him. Yeah, that was on Inferno, wasn't it? Yeah, when, when yeah. poor John hit him with a, with a car. But it wasn't as bad as we thought. We, I thought his leg would be hanging off, but because he had that German boot on, all it had done is sheared all the skin down to the bone. So. But it was nothing broken. I haven't so. seen Alan for a long time. Is he not around? Died about, died about seven or eight years ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's with a big taxi firm up there. Yeah, I remember he had something, uh, some kind of uh, problem, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, and he's gone now. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Oh. Looked like Charles Aznavour. Yeah. Yes, he yeah, did. He's done a bit. Yeah. I think he played him in a thing once as a, you know, as a, wasn't a start as a background or a, a looky likey or something. But he couldn't see. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Only Jewish. Only Jewish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What about Max Faulkner, who crops up a lot in Doctor Who? Now, Max was, many, many years ago, he told me he was a, one of the top actors. Max. Yeah, he was a, he was a bona fide good actor. And until a, all the problems come with the BBC. I, and I, did a, I did a stage play with him and Ted Woodward called Scarpa at the Adelphi called Seagulls Over Sorrento, a musical version of that. And Max was a damn good actor, he really was, yeah. He was a very good horseman, yeah. Max. But the only trouble is, you could be at the bar, now if you're watching Max or listening, I know where you are, but you'd be at the bar and you'd be having a couple of drinks and he'd be drinking like that and he's all friendly like that and he drinks and come back and the eyes are red and he's changed. He got a little bit, uh, not so much violent, but violent with his tongue and, and he could get himself into trouble, couldn't he? But he he, he changed like Jekyll and Hyde. It wasn't one minute he'd go in and he'd think, oh, oh Max, you've had enough. Yeah. So, a good man, good man. 
And um, so, did you learn other stuff, Royce? As well as the, when you started with the judo, did you did you do other stunts? Did you falls and fights and things like that? Were the people that you learnt from when you entered the business? Um, well, really, um, in judo, you you um, fall. In Japanese, it's called ukimi, and um, you 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 have to be good at fall. I mean, when I started judo, I was actually scared to fall, frankly. Uh, but um, well. Through your career, you fall so many times that you're not scared any longer. And the trick is to fall the right way. Tuck your head in and uh, put your hand out and whack the floor with the hand that's free. And um, basically, that's uh, how one, one, uh, one, one falls uh, on the floor, stunts-wise. Um, I can remember on um, one of the Persuaders things with... Um, with a, a friend who was in charge of persuaders, I'm trying to remember Conrad, Les Crawford. Les Crawford, that's it. And I remember another guy saying, because well, I had to um, do a fall, uh, I was working with Tony Curtis, and I had to do a fall, a forward fall on the marble. Um, I had a, a bit of um, uh, sponge at the back of, uh, of my back, but otherwise, I had to turn over, fall. And not hurt. And I heard a guy saying, "Why did he do that?" And so Les says, um, "Well, experience, I suppose. <laughs> That's what it is, actually. <laughs> you know, you, you just you you've got to fall right, otherwise you damage yourself." Yeah. Well, you're going to get it wrong once, don't you? Well, uh, it's possible that, that you can severely. Da- you don't want to hit your head. That's for sure. No. In fact, talking about hitting heads, I remember when I was a brown belt just before. That's the that's the highest Q grade before downgrade um, and uh, uh, seemingly inconsequential little flip by my opponent um, and uh, I landed on my head um, I was carted across to St. Stephen's Hospital I'd gone unconscious and um, they wanted to keep me in for the night this was way back in 66 um, I think it was And um, but I had to go back I had urgent business I was living in Dollars Hill at the time and uh, they let me go in a black cab um, the only thing uh, remainder, remainder, sort of um, uh, that happened from that was that uh, a second word would come out before the first word occasionally, uh, but it, within a few months it cleared up. Thank you. Months. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your head is a, a jelly kind of material, and it gets jumbled up, and mm. you're lucky that nothing worse happens. You know. Well, I remember you took Keith Peacock on Z cars. You were telling me about. Yeah. I mean, the, the ladder, the ladder was only as high as that ceiling, wasn't it? It was against the wall. That's right. And he he, he rehearsed going up close to it, and then on the take, he it was like that, and then he went and he missed the boxes. And he's in. I was in Morocco with Keith just before that happened. He was stunt arranging on a film out there, uh, Our Man from Marrakesh. I stayed on with Klaus Kinski. He came back because he had the job on set cars. And he wasn't a high man. He phoned me up and said, I've got this thing on a ladder, Roy. I said, well, be damn careful. He, then the phone went dead and that was all I heard. Next thing I heard, he had killed himself. Just as high as it, well, he pushed his hands out and then went. He'd already measured the boxes very close and then going back. And on the take, he pushed himself out and then went. A mistake he made, yeah. big, big mistake. If you're going to do anything with a ladder, you would always hinge the ladder, get a plank of wood and hinge the ladder to the plank of wood. So when the ladder, if it came, it can never twist. You've got to come that way. Yeah. He had it on, on concrete stone, yeah. flagstones, of course, he pulled and it twisted that way. He went and missed the boxes instead yeah. of going straight back. 
we turn left and we hit the head on our, our flagstone. Dead. Gone. And, and, could, and could three o'clock in the morning have anything to do with it? No. No? Because I understand just, that's when they did it. Yeah, just, just yeah, yeah, he didn't know the gag. He's just like, he, run and jump. He thought he'd do it, which often happens. It's always the run and jump merchants get hurt, you know. Sure. You don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Just Who the was the stunt guy, George, who had fingers about that long, could play the guitar like a good one. In the Second World War, he, he um, George someone, not Mitchell, he joined the underground movement and he was like he was with them for two of the three years in the war when he escaped and everything yeah he joined up with the U but he had fingers about that long could play the guitar like bloody hell like anything <laughs> amazing but and he had a bad accident riding through the forest and a bow of the tree went bang knocked him straight out and he was unconscious and I don't think he was ever right after that wasn't right before that. Well, a specific one from you, Derek, if I may, because um, we didn't get you on the DVD for it because you were up to your neck in East Enders. Was uh, the Mind of Evil, which I think you did the fights. You arranged some of the sequences for for Tim Coombe at Dover Castle. That's right. Some of the fights on there, and also um, a motorbike. I set the cameras up for it to come off and go into boxing. Who did the mo- I think it was Roy Street, wasn't it? It was Roy, did it? Yeah. So. Yeah, it was and good that, that was one that famously overspent because uh, you had to oh. remount the fight. There was sequences. hundreds of people there, weren't there in Dover? Derek West, I've got a couple, is that three or four motorbikes around there? Yeah, Derek, we had nothing set up and uh, we, we were in some sort of yard, I remember that. And there was a bit of a junkyard there. And uh, we had no ramps or anything. And a, the light was going, we had to get four shots, apparently. So I got an old tube, it was sort of a bent piece of guttering, it was bent. And I used that as a ramp. <laughs> I, I, I virtually just threw it in the air and came off, it was in the air, so I came off the bike to make it look like a shot. And it worked, so I went up in the air, I just kicked off, let the bike go, and they got a great shot. Yeah, but, yeah. but there's no time to build a ramp, it was just time, get it yeah. going, you know. I think that was, was that Ambassadors of Death, where they asked the helicopter, yeah. 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 Whereas the one at Dover Castle, there's a big gunfight, and people all falling people walls, all over the place, and walls, yeah. 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 All the boys were on it, weren't they? Yeah. It was good, so, good fun. So why would you have been arranging that? Because did you alternate with Derek? Well, no, Mayer, Derek no, no, no. Derek, he had to go off somewhere to have a discussion. It may have been about the time when he was talking about the Italian job and getting all that. So he said, I'll leave you. You can do odd bits and pieces, you know what I mean? Nothing too spectacular, but um, nothing, how can I say... Um, Indiana Jones, what's his name? Vic Armstrong. Nothing Vic Armstrong. Because <laughs> Vic ended up directing films, big films. So Harrison Ford said, You've got to direct, and he did. He's basically he's the second unit director, isn't he? Oh, yes. But he directed a film for himself. Did he? Oh, a big wow. movie, yeah. Wow. And quite successful in Czechoslovakia, I think. And he's doing another one. When I saw him at Nusha's funeral, he was at Nusha's funeral, so that was a funeral. Was it? It was a, in a Morden crematorium, and the reception was at Epsom Racecourse because there were so many people. I mean, people come there. Frank the Crash, he was there, Frank Henson, driven up from Brighton. And he's called Frank the Crash? Yeah, he was there. Frank Henson. Frank Henson. He was one of the, he was one of the guys with Monte Carlo bus. He's one of the drivers on that. Um, yeah, could be nicknamed Frank the Crash because he'd inevitably crash a car with those needed a lot. <laughs> And are you still in touch with anyone from the... the, the I mean, how, when was the last time you saw these two boys arrested? 
Well, I haven't seen uh, Derek for many, many years. He was wearing nappies for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Uh, but Roy, I've, I see Roy from time to time. Um, and, um, you know, look, I just like to see lads from time to time and hope, hope that um, we keep seeing each other. And what do you make of all this Doctor Who business and, and the, the amount of fans you've seen today? And uh, Can you understand quite why we're doing this? Well, I found, I found it a little bizarre at first, but uh, when you think about it, I mean... It's a hobby, and uh, can a man be um, uh, attacked for his hobby? I don't think so. I think it's no, interesting. And, I, and there's a lot of happy lads and a few girls amongst them who are enjoying it, and uh, long may it continue. Music I, to my ears. I have heard that it wasn't, if it wasn't for the sale of DVDs, all been redigitized, everything, of Doctor Who the BBC might go bust. I think the, the sale of this overseas and everywhere is putting money in the coffers for it. Yeah. Well, that, that'll make uh, Mark Thompson's retirement all the sweeter. <laughs> I think he needs more to his bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Derek, and you went from stunting to acting. You've had a great career as an actor. Um, I, I would like to talk about a particular credit, but before that, I need to polish off Image of the Fendal, which was a speaking role you had in Doc 2 as a guard who got killed. Oh, George, Mitchell. Yeah, George Spenton Foster directing... George Benton Foster, he's sadly dead now, yeah. but great guy, um, very, very gay, and I did several things for him many years ago. I did it. No, 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 I'll change that again. I worked for him several times. He took me to um, Marrakesh, there was Tony, um, Tony Wager, who was sadly dead, who played the young Pip in the film, two of us supposed to be in space went in the Sahara and everything else. The three men, as we arrived Marrakesh, went over the Atlas Mountains to a place called Tinaria. And there's a little park on the side there. And as we were arriving in the coach, he said, Derek, I don't care how tough you are. He said, don't go in that park at night because you will get topped and towed and kicked out. No, 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 you get raped and murdered. And when we arrived at this village, Right in the middle of there was a French Foreign Legion court, right in the middle of the desert. When we got out of the coach, all the young boys in the village, ah, oh, George, George, George. He used to go there for his holidays. Then, three weeks after he got back, his secretary rang me and said, Derek, uh, George wants to take you to Nice doing a uh, BBC play called Germinal, the old French classic. And once you get, so I said to her, Anne, listen, don't get me wrong, but I'm straight. I said, if George fancies me, um, I'm not interested. And if he was to do anything untoward, I'd have to spank him. So I said, I'd sooner pull out and not go rather than anything untoward. She said, Derek, no, it's nothing to do with that. He just likes you because you do, you have a laugh, you do your work, you're conscientious, and that's it. So off I went to Nice with him. He ended up running away with a barman from the BBC to <laughs> Australia. So, oh, there's, a, there's an un, un, a hitherto unknown yeah. fact. Yeah. Do you remember? It's a lovely. You have a lovely bit in the image of the Fendal where you get beaten up by an old lady. Remember Jack Daphne Hurd oh, whacks yes. you about with a. With oh, a yeah, that was good. That was. And, yeah. do you remember, and what about Tom? How was Tom to work with that boy, Tom Baker? Tom was Tom, big and lumpy, and playing Tom Baker being Doctor Who. Who was Tom Baker? You know what I mean. <laughs> Doctor Who, Tom Baker, Doctor Who. So. Now, I watched recently, I got um, Law and Order on DVD. Oh, you did. Yeah. What did you I, think? I think it's fantastic. And what's really interesting is that 
the acting style is is an acting style so unusual in those days and that you appear not to be acting and therefore it's so much more believable because it's almost like documentary well it was shot as a drama documentary or they people thought it was and that's what and they used all unknown actors in it and that touch would that put me on the map and from then on it's gone mad but the director we didn't know how big it was I got the script you arrive at 7 in the morning I was given 10 pages he said as long as you get the technical stuff right you can wing the rest so you add an hour's breakfast learn that then you shot and he said we've got unlimited stock if we shoot a scene 20 times we will we've got unlimited never used any lights only just ordinary light so it was like and because that caused a big stink when it was first shown people were used to Dixon evening all wouldn't nick an apple. And there's me thieving, fitting people up, taking bungs. And the jam, the BBC was jammed. How dare you show one of our policemen being crooked and corrupt? And the, the whole of the squad, three the screeny squad, was at that time in the 60s, was Ben. And of course, it, it and when I went to BAFTA to see the first episode, it was four 80 minute films. And when I'm sitting there with my ex wife, and she said, Derek, at the end, you're playing the lead in this. We didn't know how big it was. Wow. I mean, we had a, a detective sergeant, 34 years old, retired, brand-new Volvo estate, full-length leather jacket, and had a restaurant in Croydon. That says something, doesn't it? He was one of And the other one was a detective sergeant who was current, was still there. But it was a great experience, great experience. It's just, and, and it's interesting how many of the stunt boys were in it. Terry Walsh is a copper in it. and oh, the, Billy Mike Horsburgh. Yeah. Billy Horrible was my sergeant. Billy, uh, not Billy Horrible. Uh, no, no, Billy Cornelius. Yeah. He played my sergeant in it. And there was one bloke who said he was sweating buckets. He said, I've never said so many. He said, all I usually say is, God, up, God. <laughs> he said, and he said, me down. good luck. But it was natural. And everyone played it natural. But how can I say this? Let me say this, Tom. All through my acting career, whether it's villains, coppers, or a nice dad in EastEnders, it's Derek. I never had trained, never went to stage school, nothing. So what I do is I put me in whatever. If I'm a villain, I think, how would I be? Do you understand what I mean? If I'm a copper, I'd be crooked. I know I would be in real life. So, and as a nice dad, so Derek is Charlie Slater. Charlie Slater is a bit of me in all the characters I've played, which makes it easy. I mean, I've been offered lots of stuff. Can you do a Lancashire accent, Yorkshire, Scottish? And I went, hang on, I could give you 10 Scottish actors, who are good, and they can be relaxed and do it naturally. If I've got to think about an accent, I can't do it. No, that's it. What about you, Ruston? Is, is, are you in the parts that you play? What have been, what have been your, your favourite acting jobs that you've done? Well, one, one of the happiest days of my career was some years ago when uh, Roy Scammell, um, my friend here, introduced me to Terry Donovan on a film called The Yellow Dog. And uh, we, the day's shoot was at the Budokwai um, Judo Club in Gilston Road off of Fulham Road. And um, uh, it, it was, I was working with uh, a Japanese star of 85 films, Jiro Tamiya. And uh, he was a lovely guy, and his, uh, his helper was a guy called Oda. When you met him, he did a strict kind of uh, bending his back, and I am Oda. 
And um, anyway, uh, they had socks on Jiro, and uh, he was a karateka, which is a karate man. And uh, he saw me with, uh, with um, Zori on, which are Japanese uh, slippers, so he asked them to get him some of those, so they did. Anyway, we, we did our bit, whatever it was. We, like, um, uh, he wanted to... Uh, I, I was, uh, my character was Johnson, a police judo bully. And uh, Jiro is... Uh, I'm, I'm practicing with Jiro, and I'm trying to bully him, but uh, I, I don't succeed. Anyway, he eventually decides to dislocate my jaw, and he does that, and I've got to make the noises for that. And um, it, was a, it was a lovely day. Um, and uh, anyway, we, we finished up there. Um, but then, uh, not, not some years later, I was on a Japanese three-year course at the Westminster... Um, uh, language school in uh, Houston and uh, we were having a, a meet up with some of the Japanese uh, nationals who were learning to be Japanese teachers uh, to foreigners and one lad said to me um, he remembered that film and he remembered Jiro and he told me that um, Jiro uh, had uh, tragically uh, had financial worries and decided to end it all and he told me how and um, it was uh, pretty sad and then some years later, um, I happened to look at the paper in a, a local snooker hall and uh, I saw that Terry Donovan had um, ended it all. Um, and we, we, we don't know why, because he didn't have any financial problems. He'd opened a new studio and he was a lovely guy. He was a big bluff cockney. You would never expect him to do something like that. And uh, it made me quite sad and I'm sure it did you, Roy, as well. Terry's lovely guy. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was a sad situation. So it was my happiest day, and then, of course, it was tinged with sadness because of the loss of those two, um, well, stars. Well, it's nice that we can remember them here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, look, I've taken up more time than I said I would, so I've got to ask Roy one more question. For, as a follow-up to anyone that's seen the Havoc DVD, how's Chariots of Courage going? Is that going to be a sport? <laughs> it's going to be a sport. I hope it's going to be a film. Donato, my friend, is working with me on it. And uh, the script is now be on its way. I'm rewriting the opening sequences. And I think maybe next year we might have a derby talking to probably Parker, Alan Parker, or maybe Ridley. And if they like the thing, we'll go, we'll go to town on it and make a great film. Well, and and after, we'll be involved, though. Well, after my experience as, as working on the template, I can happily say, if it should happen, I will happily watch from the sidelines, because <laughs> you nearly killed me. <laughs> Another thing, a, a good storyline for the new Doctor Who. Yeah. At some stage, all the unit soldiers retired. For some say something starts killing them off. And Doctor Who says this is wrong. All the old unit soldiers, all of us. And he gradually we're getting bumped off and he's trying to find out what unseen force is doing it. And eventually, and there's one survives, and that's me. Nice one, Bill. And I want an end on the credits. Oh, an end. Oh, that's always a thing, isn't it? Yeah, the end, end credit. End. Paul Winfield always had an end credit on yes. these movies. It's, it's the most coveted credit of them all, it I is. think. Wonderful. After Top Billy. Well, look, gents, uh, you've kindly given your time and your enthusiasm again, which is unmatched. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. But this time we have charitable intent, so I'll go across and if you nominate your charity and you listeners will, uh, if you could donate in lieu of having a free podcast. The Grand Order of Water Rats. Any, anyone. Parkinson's. We, we, Donato and I both work for Parkinson's. You know, I did a couple of speeches and Donato's helped me. 
we know quite a lot already and I'll carry on with Parkinson's OK, lovely and the final <laughs> question is I'll go start with Roy this time uh, Doctor Who's 50 this year it started the day after John F. Kennedy's assassination what's your message to the Doctor Who fans out there listening to this? Keep happy keep following us and be lucky with the whole Doctor Who sequences because they're great I don't think I can say I don't think I can top that I mean it's uh, I've met a few of them today and they're diehard fans and long may they continue to be so um, keep buying the DVDs because the residuals come in handy to pay a few bills <laughs> uh, Roy Scammell Roy Stavarro Derek Martin always a pleasure thanks gents thanks Toby brilliant that was great thank right. you perfect thank you my thanks to Derek Martin, Roy Scammell and Royston Farrell. Uh, and thanks to Dexter and everyone at Phantom Films. It was a Phantom Films event that the boys were at where I uh, grabbed them, stuck them in a corner and subjected them to my interrogation. There were three of them, two nominated to charity, so I think two's plenty for one podcast, so we won't nominate another one. So it's Grand Order of Water Rats for Derek Martin, which is G-O-W-R dot net. They have a Charities Fund page on that website, gowr.net. And Roy Scammell said Parkinson's, well, parkinsons.org.uk. Parkinsons.org.uk have a donate button. So uh, one or both of those, uh, however you'd like to do it. There's a preview for the next Who's Round coming up. And till then, don't go falling off any buildings. Or if you do, make sure you tuck your head in. Ta-ta. Because we had to do... Uh, chase scenes and things in some great canyon somewhere out, which was used for all their different, <laughs> different storylines and things. And going out there and running around with barely being this sort of revolutionary character, with not very much clothing on, on appalling cold day, and the delights of when things stopped getting into a charabang or something and begin giving little reviving toddies of BBC brandy. <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Fourth Doctor Adventures. It's Marshall here, Doctor. I need your help. Leela's... she's missing. What? It is an honour to meet you, Huntmaster. Your knight excels at my contest. Is this a private death match or could anyone join in? Once you're up there, it's kill or be killed. No one's beaten the Master's champion. I'm afraid in the death match there can be only one winner. So why am I still alive? We shall see how you fare when set against your friends, Doctor. Kill or be killed. The only rule of the death match. Doctor Who. Death match.